Praise God. Welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. Pastor Mike here. Glad you could join us. Why don't we go right to prayer? Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you so much for this time that we have with you here today, O Lord, in the name of Jesus. Heavenly Father, I pray that Holy Spirit will speak to and touch the hearts and the minds of every single listener that would be here today, O Lord, in the name of Jesus. Heavenly Father, reach out to them and touch them, Lord, because only you know the needs, the desires, the things that are going on in all of our lives, O Lord God. So I pray, O Lord God, that this day, this day, that their hearts will be touched, O Lord. We praise you, Lord God. We magnify the most glorious name in the master's name of Jesus. Amen, amen, and amen. Praise God. Praise God again. Welcome to Genesis 1. Before I get started and we get into the Word, why don't you go and grab your Bible, maybe a pencil or a pen or a marker or something, a piece of paper if you want to take some notes so the Holy Spirit can, um, can, can witness to you later on. Uh, as these words and these scriptures come back uh, to play in your life and you have need of those words. Amen. Amen. But uh, let me just start off by asking you, uh, has God ever asked you to to step outside of your comfort zone? Okay. Have you ever felt impressed in your spirit that God was asking you to do something that was outside of your comfort zone? You know, they ask you to tell you that it's time to change jobs. Uh, it's time to move, you know, and then you wind up saying, who, me? You know, God, are you sure this is what you want me to do? Are you the one that's talking to me? You know, God may be saying to you or putting in your heart, oh, it's time for you to change churches. You know, I don't know. But then either case, you wind up saying, did I hear you right, Lord? You know, is that you speaking to me? Did you ever just sit back and wonder and ponder and just pray, Lord, what doubts have I struggled with over the years? You know? Sometimes, you know, it, it feels like a heavy blanket uh, of despair and gloom that will settle, settle upon us sometimes uh, in, in, in doubts and we start wondering, is God really talking to us? Sometimes even I think to myself, I doubt that this world will ever return to the way it was a few years ago. You know, sometimes I doubt and I wonder, will COVID ever become a thing of the past? You know, how long will this thing just, just loom there, like on the horizon, like a sort of Damocles? swinging over our heads or something like that, you know. If you are breathing, if you are breathing, then that means that at some point in your life that you experience some period of doubt, okay. If you're a living human being, Christian or not, at some point in your life that you have uh, experienced some periods of doubt. However, the fact of the matter is that we do not have to live under the dark cloud of doubt. That's the way the enemy wants us to live, under a dark cloud of doubt all the time. Ever since the Garden of Eden, the enemy's strategy has been to place doubt in our minds. That's been his strategy. Satan did not make Eve sin. He made her doubt God's goodness, even while she was living in a perfect paradise. Eve acted on doubt, believing God was holding out on her. And when Adam followed along, the entire world was simply cast into sin. Right? But there are ways to shake off the heaviness of doubt. You know, it, it is not useless. It is not pointless. Okay, there are ways to shake off the heaviness of doubt. God desires for us to walk in truth, not in the devil's lies. Let me repeat that. God wants us to walk in his truth, not to walk in the lies that the devil tries to sow into our minds. So what we want to do today is, today is look at some of the ways that we can overcome doubt. 
Okay. And the first thing we're going to do is to take those thoughts, take those thoughts that come into our mind, take those thoughts captive. Amen. The apostle Paul told the Corinthians that even though we live in the world, we do not wage war like the world does. Okay. Even though we live in the world, we don't wage war the way the world does. So with that, let's go to second Corinthians, go to second Corinthians 10, second Corinthians 10. And we want to go to verse number three. 2 Corinthians 10, verse number 3. And it starts off by saying here, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations, thoughts, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when our in your disobedience is fulfilled. Okay. All right. So we see there that Paul, Paul spoke concerning spiritual warfare. We don't use worldly weapons. I say again, we do not use worldly weapons, but our weapons have divine power to demolish the strongholds of the devil. All right? Then Paul explains how this battle occurs in our minds. We see there in verse number five, it says that, you know, and I'm reading NIV, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. Doubt begins in our minds. Okay, that's where it starts. Doubt begins in our minds. We can't control the thoughts that enter into our minds, that enter into our minds, but we can decide whether or not those thoughts are going to take up residence. Okay, and the way those thoughts take a residence in our mind when they enter in is by us dwelling on those thoughts. Okay, all right, all right. you can't have the thoughts that'll pass through. We all we all have idle thoughts. We all have idle thoughts. We're human beings. Okay, but the thing that we can filter out is a thought that is against the word of God, that is counter to the way God would have us to live our lives. We don't want to take those thoughts and start dwelling on it because then they wind up taking residence in our lives. Okay, we must use caution and examine those thoughts and discern the source. We have to determine the source of those thoughts. Are they worldly thoughts? Are they thoughts that I'm just coming up with? You know, are they the thoughts planted by the enemy? Or are they the truth of God? Okay? And we got to examine those thoughts. Where's the thought? The thought pops into your mind. You need to check it and say, well, where's this thought coming from? You know, I mean, really to the extreme, your thought, oh boy, that bank, there's plenty of money. I'm going to rob that bank. Go rob that bank. That's a thought that pops in your mind. Now you know good and well that that's not a thought from God. You know, that is totally contrary against the word of God. God said, thou shalt not steal. To mention a number of other scriptures that would apply to why you shouldn't do that. Amen. But we have to think about those thoughts and where they're coming from and, enter and, and don't entertain and dwell on that thought. The minute that thought pops into your mind, uh -uh, that's not what the word of God says. That's not what God would have me to do. You take that thought captive and you pull it down. Okay. And you cancel it out in the name of Jesus. Okay. Once we realize the source of our thoughts, we can remove the harmful ones, okay? Find some favorite Bible verses that can speak to the doubts that we often face. Right? Write them down. Write those verses down or memorize them, even better yet. Keep them handy to replace those doubtful lies with God's truth, okay? Right? When those doubtful, when those thoughts comes in, comes into your mind, those thoughts that be contrary to the word of God, you replace that thought with, with the word of God, with, with scriptures, with Bible verses, okay, which supports God's truth. Here's an example. 
In this time of inflation, we all watch our finances very carefully, of course. You see what the prices are like in the store, prices of gas and everything that goes on and on. This is not a message about inflation, okay? But we're, we're all watching our finances because of the way the world is today, okay? When we find doubt slipping in, we should remind ourselves that God is our provider. God is our provider. I don't care what the economy looks like. God is indeed our provider. In Philippians 4.19, the word of God says, But my God shall supply all our need, all your need, according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Okay? So even though you may be having a hard time, or you may go in the food store and look at the prices and whatnot, you know, we bought out on a couple of pounds of grapes, and I mean, I think it was 13 or $14 for grapes. Okay? But if you don't walk out of that store, gee, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? You remember the scripture, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. God knows your need. God knows your need, and he will indeed supply it. Okay, so don't let that spirit of doubt and those thoughts that I'm going to, I'm going to fail, I'm not going to have this, I'm not going to have enough, and so forth and so forth. Don't let the enemy sow those seeds of doubt into your mind. Remember that pertaining, pertaining to your finances, especially in, that, in this particular case. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We can put those financial woes to rest by allowing that verse to replace those doubtful thoughts that the enemy tries to put in our minds, okay? And again, I say to you, again, the doubtful thought may enter in, but don't let it dwell there, okay? Just because it pops into your mind, that doesn't mean you got to dwell on it and think on it and let it take residence, okay? All right? That's one way to deal with doubt. Another way is, of course, praying. Praying, praying, praying. In Mark 9, a, a disheartened father brought his demon-possessed son to Jesus and his disciples, okay? And let's see what the Word of God says about that. Let's go to uh, Mark 9. Mark 9, and we want to start with verse number 17. Mark 9, 17. Okay, praise God. And one of the multitude uh, answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee Thy, unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And wherever so we take him, he tears him, and he foams and gnashes with his teeth, and pines away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him, straight away the spirit tore him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming. And he asked his father, he asked his father, how long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, of a child. He's been happening to him since he was a child. And oft times it cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, if thou canst believe, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Highlight or put a, a bracket around that verse. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believes. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, O Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. Please underline that also. I believe, help thou mine uh, unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee once out of him, come out of him and enter no more into him. Okay, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. 
And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him. And he was as one dead, insomuch that many said, he is dead, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. And when he was coming to the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could not we cast him out? And he said unto them, this kind come forth by, by nothing but prayer and by fasting. Nothing but prayer and, and fasting. Okay. So we see that in these scriptures, we see that the father explained that a spirit had robbed his son of his speech and it seized him, throwing him into uh, the ground. Many times, the father said, it also threw him into the fire or water to kill him. You see that in Mark 19, uh, Mark 9, 17 and 18. All right. But the father begged Jesus to help his son. The father begged to help his son. And Jesus explained that everything is possible for those who believe. And I say that to you, everything is possible if you can just believe. You just believe. Don't look at the circumstances that are around you. Don't look at what's going on in the news, on TV or newspapers or whatever, and media. You know, you know, you know just stop. Don't worry about what's with Facebook or Twitter or whatever some of these other social uh, things, or websites are saying. You, you have to believe, okay? Believe that God is exactly who he said he is. That God is, that, that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. And if you isn't yet your Lord and Savior, it's time. It's about time that you speedily ask him to come into your life and, and let him become the Lord of your life. Repent of your sins and ask his forgiveness and, and, and know deep in your heart that he is the son of God. Ask his forgiveness and invite him into your life and he will come into your life. Okay, but you have to believe. Nothing is impossible to those that believe. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Okay, help me to overcome my unbelief, my unbelief. Now, over the, over the years, I have to say that sometimes when I was wrestling with a particular challenge and the devil was working overtime with doubt, trying to plant doubt into my mind, Jesus has simply asked me if I believe. Okay, I've heard it in prayer. Do you believe, Michael? Simple as that. Do you believe? You know, and it's a nice reminder, you know, when we hear God speak this to us, you know, when, when Holy Spirit whispers it into our spirit, you know, do you believe? It's a nice, it's a nice checkpoint to remind you of who you are in Christ Jesus. Okay? It's a nice, it's a nice reminder to ask you to, to, to think about and ask yourself, do I believe? Okay? Do I believe? Simple as that. Okay? Have you ever heard those words tugging at your heart also? Have you ever heard those words whispered into your heart? Okay. He knows our thoughts better than we do. God knows your thoughts. And if there's a moment there where that doubt is trying to creep in and you're having a moment of unbelief, you know, God knows that, you know. And if this happens to you and the devil is busy trying to get doubt into your mind, then simply cry out like the father did in these scriptures, Jesus, help my unbelief. There's nothing wrong with you saying that. Don't think that you're such a mature Christian. You've been born again for so many years and so forth like that. That, that, that There's nothing wrong with you if, if you have this moment here where doubt is trying to, to, to wrestle its way into your mind for you to just simply cry out, Jesus, help my unbelief. The same way the Father in these scriptures did. You know, ask him. Cry out to Jesus. Help my, help me. Help me to, to, to not to not have unbelief in my, in my heart. Lord Jesus, I trust you. I know that you are who you say you are. But help me with my unbelief. This father, like us, sometimes had doubts. When doubt begins knocking on your mind, just go to Jesus, as I said, and ask him to help your unbelief. 
the apostle uh, Peter here possessed the desire to stay in close proximity to Jesus. Peter was the only disciple, by the way, who wanted to get out of the boat and brave the stormy waves of the Sea of Galilee to walk on the water with Jesus. Okay, and we can see that by if we go to Matthew uh, 14. Matthew 14, and we want to start with verse number 22. Okay, and we know these the, the scriptures here, you know the events. But we're going to go, go over this again because I want to point out some very salient points here that the scriptures address that many times we kind of just glaze over. Okay, 22, and straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. Now, in the first place, it says that he, he, he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and go to the other side. So as Jesus said, get in the ship, go to the other side, that means that in Jesus' heart, in Jesus' mind, he perfectly well intended for them to be on the other side, to get to the other side. Jesus didn't say, get in the boat and by chance get out there and maybe I'll meet you on the other side. If all things go well, maybe I'll meet you on the other side. Jesus said, go to the other side where I'll meet you. So that meant that in Jesus' mind, in Jesus' heart, he was intending on meeting them there, meaning that they were going to be there also on the other side. Okay? Meaning that they were going to be there also on the other side. Verse 23 says, And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. Cried out for fear. Okay, they thought he was a ghost and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spoke unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, bid me to come unto you on the water. Okay. Jesus, if that is you, then call me. Tell me to come into, into the water, to come to you on the water. Verse 29 says, And he said, Come. Jesus said, Come. This was an invitation. This was an invitation. Jesus is saying to you also to come. Today, by way of this message, Jesus is saying to you to come, come unto him. God is calling you. God is calling you. Make no mistake about it. And if you're wrestling with something or things are not quite where they should be or you're dealing with doubts in your mind, there's some, some unbelief that's going on in your mind, then Jesus is also saying to you to come, come unto him. You know, envision in your mind that his, his hand is extended like that, reaching out to you and telling you to just come. Okay, don't ignore that invitation. Maybe you've ignored that invitation for too many years. Maybe you've put it off. Maybe you said tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Well, you know, maybe you're running out of tomorrows. Okay, Jesus is saying to you right now today to come unto him. There's an invitation to you. Holy Spirit has been wooing you. You've been having this thing going on in your spirit where you're kind of caught between two places that you're kind of vacillating. You're going back and forth and you're trying to make up your mind what to do. What to do. But Jesus is saying to you today, just simply come. You know, there's not a lot of ritual involved at all. There's not a religious, a, a, a church kind of thingy, thingy. This is a Christian walk way of life. Okay. It's, it's a spiritual condition where you are connecting with the God of the universe. Jesus is saying to you today to come, all right? So back to the scripture, he said in 29, he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. 
Peter wanted this closeness. He wanted to be with Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. All right. So what happened was that in Vatican 29, it said when he come, Peter got out of the ship and he was walking on the water. Okay. So when Jesus invited him to come to him, Peter wanted to come to him so badly and trust that he too was walking on the water. But then, as it says in verse 39, in verse 30, but when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Okay. So what happened was that Jesus called him to come. Peter got out of the boat in faith and was walking towards Jesus on the waters like Jesus was doing. But then all of a sudden, the storm, the wind became boisterous and he took his eyes off of Jesus and started looking at that storm. Okay. So he got distracted. And as a result of that, because of his distraction, he says that he started to sink. Okay, So we have to always keep our eyes and our mind on Jesus. Do not get distracted by the boisterous, quote-unquote, things of our daily lives. Do not get distracted by the boisterous sounds of the economy, you know, inflation, disease, or any other politics or anything else that's going on that would be so troublesome. Do not be distracted by all of that that's going on. Continue focusing on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus, okay? Because you see what happened with Peter. The minute he got distracted, looking at that storm that was coming, okay, then he said he started to sink, okay? And if we let ourselves get distracted by the other things of life, then we too, in a way, we start to sink, we start to sink in terms of, 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 of morale, you know, of, of our feelings, you know. We, we get to sink in, in, terms of, in terms of our faith even, okay. We get to sink in terms of allowing doubt to just enter into our minds if we get our eyes off of Jesus, okay. So it says that he began, he cried out, Lord, save me, 31. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore did thou doubt, okay. Are you little faith? Where did you doubt? Okay, and that's what happened. He saw the storm. He thought the storm was more was, was greater than Jesus, so he started sinking. He thought the storm was a threat to him, and so that's when he started sinking. Jesus said, where, where did you doubt? Why did you doubt? Okay, so again, when we see things going on in our lives, we don't take our eyes off of Jesus and don't let that doubt enter into our minds, okay, and start saying, well, those things that I'm concerned about that I see happening in the world, they're greater than Jesus. Because when you do, you're allowing doubt to enter in, and that's when you, quote unquote, that's when you start to sink, okay? That's when you start to sink. That's when you start worrying, you get anxious, uh, a stress builds up in your life and everything, and you become cranky and just all sorts of things. The physical changes start happening in your body, heart palpitations and, and pains in your stomach and everything. I mean, you know, you, you, there's a physical reaction to your, to, to, to your uh, doubt bringing in all sorts of uh, 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 lack of belief and losing your faith and so on. That just all works together to make your life totally miserable, to put it, to put it uh, bluntly. Amen. Amen. So he said that, why did you doubt? Verse 32 continues and says, and when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshiped him saying, of a truth, thou art the son of God. Of a truth, thou art the son of God. Okay. You see, this experience with, with Peter here, you, you know, it, it, it culminated uh, into him developing a close relationship with Jesus. Yeah, there was a time there where uh, Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? You know, do you love me? Do you love me? 
Even though at one time Peter had turned him back, turned his back on him. Remember uh, when he was Jesus was taken away to be crucified, and they were asking, "Do you know Jesus?" And he he rebuked Jesus or denied Jesus three times. But Peter came back around and started to want to really desire a close relationship to Jesus Christ. Okay, we might wish that we could have Jesus here right now in the flesh. Okay, but we have something even better. We have Jesus within us, working through the power of Holy Spirit. Okay, it'd be wonderful to have Jesus sitting at your dinner table or in your room, or your living room or whatever, you could converse with him. But better still, he's in you, okay? And he's working in you through the power of Holy Spirit, right? We can share the same close relationship that Peter and Jesus shared. Jesus becomes real to us through his word, worship, and prayer. That's how he becomes, um, you know, real to us, through worship and through prayer and by reading his word. And we'll discuss the, the Bible in a moment, but for now, you know, let's focus on drawing near to God through worship and prayer. You know, one of the things I really enjoy doing is, is turning on some praise and worship music. I love having praise and worship music going on in the background whenever, whenever I can. I play music when I'm in the shower and when I'm getting dressed. I lift up my hands and then I praise the Lord. I go to church, if you will, you know, every single day when I'm showering. Okay, it's a way to really, really praise and to to enjoy enjoy God's presence. And when you're doing that, and 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 thankfulness and and praise just start pouring forth from my mouth and listening to that music. And then in those moments, I feel God's powerful presence. Okay, and I'm not anyone special. The same thing can happen with you. It's all the intent of your heart. If you want to enter into God's presence and you're, you're praising him and, and, and worshiping him, uh, I, I use, use music, but there are many ways that you can praise and, and worship. You can praise God and worship him. And, you know, I, if you're an outdoors person, you know, and you're, you're going on your hike, you, you know, look around you, look at the beauty of, the, of your surroundings. You can praise God when you're on that hike. You know, I know many years ago I lived on, on the beach. I mean, literally, I was in a condominium, but lived on a beach there, and there, there was the, the boardwalk, and then the ocean was right there. And there were many times I'd be strolling along the ocean uh, front there and just walking along parallel to the uh, shoreline there, and, and, and just, just the awesome, the crashing waves, you know, the smell of salt in the air. Sometimes I see the seagulls are um, uh, overhead, and 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 the 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 water is washing in around your feet. You know what a beautiful experience. And you think about this is God. God created all of this. So even whether you know whether you're, you're like me praising in the shower in the morning, or whether you're praising while you're out on a hike, or when you're out doing something else. I mean, you you, you can just praise and worship God during those times, and, and understand His His might and He and His creativity. Okay. Okay. What he's done with all of this creation. I, I was on a flight coming from from going from east coast, uh, fr uh, west coast to the east coast, and it was a long, long flight, and we were flying through a, a thunderstorm. And I just happened to be one that I like thunderstorms and lightning. Okay, but uh, we were flying through a storm, and I was looking in the clouds, and you could see the lightning in the clouds. It was actually beautiful, and you think about God. This is God's creation. This is God's creation. Okay. So what I'm saying is that it's very important for us to know how to, 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 to worship God, how to, to praise God. Okay? Prayer, prayer is another time when God becomes, he just becomes so real to me. I just don't talk to him, but I give him times of silence to speak to my heart. Okay? When you're in those prayer times, you know, it, it, prayer is a two-way thing. 
It's a dialogue. Many times people think that prayer is a one way, a one directional thing. We're simply you simply praying to God, blah, 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 blah. blah, blah and then you get up and you, you go. Prayer is a two-way dialogue. You pray to God and you, you, then you pause and you stop and you listen. Because Holy Spirit will minister to you. You'll hear it in your innermost being. You'll hear God's voice. you hear him telling you, I am still here. How much do you believe? Do you trust me? You'll hear him saying all of those things. He may direct you through to some scriptures, you know, to read some scriptures, okay? But prayer is a two-way thing. It is a dialogue. Daily times of worship and prayer give us a closer relationship with our Lord. When doubt rises, we know Jesus experientially, if we're doing this, like Peter in his second epistle wrote, uh, he wrote about this. Go to 2 Peter. Go to 2 Peter, uh, 2 Peter 1. 2 Peter 1, and just do it too. Okay? When doubt arises, we, if we're doing this, we start knowing Jesus experientially. What I mean by that is that you want to get to the point that you know Jesus based on your experience, not just on, on intellect or by you memorizing. We need to memorize scriptures, but we want to get to the point that we have an experience with Jesus. When you can say that you know Jesus experientially, this means that you know him beyond just what some words on the, on the, on the page mean, okay, or what someone has told you about, or about some books. This is you beginning to know Jesus experientially. And this can only come from you having a good, meaningful time of praise and worship with the Lord, where he can really speak to you and touch you. And you begin to really, 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 really know and understand his presence around you. That it's no longer a theoretical thing. It's no longer something that's just in a Bible study. This is where you can say, I actually feel and I know God. I know that God is real. I felt his presence when I was in deep prayer. He spoke to me. I heard his voice. And yes, you can hear God's voice. You can hear God's voice. Okay? You can hear God's voice. And when you begin to hear God's voice and feel and sense his presence around you, this is when Jesus becomes more than just a theoretical person or being. This is what is called you experientially know the Lord. Amen? And this is where we need to get to. Okay? All right? And Peter wrote about, let's go to 2 Peter, as I say, 2 Peter 1, starting with verse number 2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. Okay, but by these you can become a partaker of, of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your, your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacks these things is blind and cannot see afar off and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. 
For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. His divine power, quote, has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Amen. The Greek word for knowledge here indicates that intimate closeness. Okay. Though that closeness, through that closeness, we access his divine power. Through being close to God, this is how we access his divine power, which gives us everything that we need for a godly life. How can we doubt when God's divine power works in us to give us all that we ever need? Okay. Ready? If you can really, really have this experience with God and really become to the point of knowing him, okay, and having this knowledge, as I said, the Greek word for knowledge indicates intimate closeness with God. Okay, that's a knowledge that can't be learned by textbooks. It can't be learned by degrees of college and so forth like that. It's by you praising God and worshiping God and reading his word and praying with him where you become to experience this closeness with him. And then you realize that you have access to God's divine power. And when you realize that you have access to God's divine power, then that means then, according to the scripture, that you don't have anything to worry about in this life because God will supply all of your needs. Okay? And don't let doubt creep in and tell you otherwise. Do not let doubt creep in and tell you otherwise. When we become too busy for God, then doubt winds up controlling our thoughts. Okay? If you put off praying, prayer time, you put off worshiping him, you put off going to church, then that is just opening the door here for doubt to start getting in there and start to control your thoughts. When we lack the relationship that is necessary to, to appropriate, to get God's power, then it becomes, it's difficult for us to have a relationship, you know, when you don't talk very much or spend time together. Okay? You can have a relationship with your wife, your husband, your children, anyone, if you don't spend time talking to them, spending time being with them, how can you expect to develop a relationship with our God if you're not spending time with him? If you're not spending time talking to him, if you're not praying to him, that's our line of communication, right? Okay. And when we start doing that, then you start becoming distant, 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 okay? And then that's when doubt starts filling that void, okay? Right. There has to be something in your mind. You know, we're not automatons. We're not robots, where we just sit, sit back and just have a, a, a blank space until, until, until a programmer comes along, okay? In essence, it's kind of close to being it because, you, you know, if, if your mind is empty, the programmer, the devil, is going to come along and put that doubt in there because his whole game plan is to get you away from God, to get you to start disbelieving or not trusting or losing faith in God. That's his whole game plan, okay? And once he can get you away from, from God, then guess what? You're going to wind up worshiping him, whether you realize it or not, whether that's your intention or not, okay? So there has to be some, some thoughts that's going through your mind. There are always thoughts that are going through your mind. It's either thoughts that are, 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 are initiated by the enemy or they're thoughts of God, amen? So we need to make sure that we have that relationship with God so that our thoughts are always godly thoughts and that we can sense and, and realize those thoughts that are not of God. You become too busy for God, then doubt starts controlling your thoughts. We lack the relationship necessary then to appropriate his power. Like I said, it's difficult to have a relationship with someone that you don't talk to or don't spend time with. Think about how you can make spending time in prayer and worship a, a priority in your life beginning today. 
Okay, start thinking about that. How can can I can I start making this more of a you know prayer time and worship time important in my life? Make that a priority before I start doing other things, before the phone calls start and so on like that. You know, an interesting interesting thing I find too is that when you you sit down and you say, okay, at such and such a time I'm gonna go into prayer, I'm gonna start studying, I'm gonna start worshiping. That's when the phone will ring. That's when somebody that you know will give you a call or whatever. Oh, by the way, I'm coming by. Or can you do this? Can you do that? Just to get you off and get you distracted. Don't fall for that. Keep to what you what keep to your planning. Go to that prayer time. Go to that worship time. Okay. The other point that we want to talk about is becoming familiar with the Word of God. Good Bible study habits carry us as much weight as prayer and worship. Through God's Word, we draw even closer as we get to know God. We learn about God's nature and characteristics. We know his desires for us and realize his great love for us. As you pray, open your Bible and read. Have your Bible with you when you pray and read. God speaks to us through his word, and I love praying through the promises that Peter wrote about. Okay? I pray uh, Ephesians 3.20 often, often, and 3.20 is, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. Okay, again, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. God's power is at work within you. Each time I recite that verse, you know, doubt is to flee. God is able to do above and beyond what we ask or imagine. Find other verses in Scripture that, be, that become your sword to use when the battle of doubt starts arising in your mind. Okay? When that battle, that, that, that doubt tries to enter in, use other Scriptures. Memorize them. Write them down. Okay? And then lastly, the thing that we should just do is to just obey and just do what the Word of God says. God has asked me to step out of my comfort zone many times in my life. When he does these things, uh, uh, you know, I, I've said many times also, Lord, who me? Are you sure that's what you want me to do? Are you sure, Lord? Did I hear you right? I start saying those things again. The biggest step of obedience occurred in 2001 when we, when we moved to Oregon from the, uh, from the East Coast, from New York. Okay, that was a big challenge, and you've heard my story before. I won't go there again. But uh, I'm telling you, it, it, moving 3,000 miles had a, a, a lot of faith to come in to, to, to really trust God. And at the onset there, it was like, Lord, are you sure this is you telling me this? <laughs> you sure you want me to do this? Doubt tried stopping me every single day, but I refused to listen. Instead, I listened to God's truth. I, I leaned into my Heavenly Father, and I just did it. I said, okay, Lord, if this is you, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to strike out and move forward. And if this is you, then you'll provide this, you'll provide that, and you'll point, and that's exactly what happened. He provided and pointed and so forth. So it was a, a, a painless move, painless move, okay? Always make sure that you hear the Lord clearly when he leads you into new territory. Just make sure that it's him. Ask for signs of confirmation. He'll give them to you. He'll still, Lord, he'll give you. Okay, Lord, I think this is you telling me to do this, and I'm going to step out and do this, and if it's not, this is not what you want me to do, then stop me or give me a sign or whatever. He will indeed do it, okay? But once you confirm God's desires for you, then just simply step out and just do it. Don't allow doubt to stop you. Don't allow doubt to stop you, whatever you do. 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. That's Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Okay, I'll read it again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Amen, amen. So now you have a battle plan to stop doubt in its tracks. Okay, you can stop doubt. You don't have to let it just let it seep in, seep in, seep in from moment to moment, from day to day. It's the enemy's favorite weapon. Remember that. If he can get you to doubt, he can get you to put aside the word of God. And if it, that doubt goes long enough and, and far enough without being being uh, uh, stopped and, and, and stymied and, and cut off by the word of God, it can lead you down a path where eventually you're drifting away from God. Amen. 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 So do not let that doubt get a foothold. Okay, you can overcome when you ask God to help your unbelief. If you're having that moment, there's nothing wrong with you saying, oh Lord, help me with my unbelief. Okay, take those doubts captive. Develop an intimate relationship with God. Become familiar with the word and then simply act in obedience. Never, 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 ever let doubt stop you again. Amen? Amen? Praise God, praise God. I hope this message was a blessing to you and, uh, uh, if it was, then consider passing on the link uh, to these uh, sermons uh, to a friend, a family member, a loved one, or even someone that's giving you a hard time. They need to hear the word of God also. We can reach that www.genesis1.sermon.net. And at the top of the page there, you'll see a subscribe button. Click on that subscribe button and you'll be notified when these messages are made available. Uh, we are also on YouTube, Genesis One Christian Ministries. And of course, we have our free apps free of charge for Android and uh, Apple devices on their respective play stores. Amen. Amen. The, the downloading is free of charge. Uh, these messages, video or audio portions can be downloaded free of charge. Uh, to pass on or for you to play back in your car as you will as Holy Spirit so guides. Amen. Amen. So again, I pray these messages were a blessing to you and you move on. And again, do not let doubt for, for, for a moment enter into your mind and stay there. It'll come in, get it out by using the word of God. And if you're really struggling again, cry out to the Lord, Lord, help me with my unbelief. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Why don't we close in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time that we just had with you, Lord God. And I pray that as we close here, that every single listener here, oh Lord God, that as they go into the balance of the day or week ahead of them, oh Lord God, that they shall remember these words and remember your words, oh Lord God, and do not let doubt enter into their minds and, and dwell and stay there in the name of Jesus. I pray, Heavenly Father God, for every single listener that you bless them and you touch them. Continue speaking to them, O oh Lord God, to help them to, to move where you want them to be, O oh Lord, in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Heavenly Father. We praise you. We magnify thy most glorious name in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God, praise God. Go forth and be blessed in the mighty name of Jesus. And remember that Jesus is Lord. And I sing praises to your name, oh Lord, praises to